So in the letter that we call the book of Hebrews, which will be our focus this winter and probably into the spring, uh, we find encouragement for a group of people that the Apostle Paul would have known or referenced to as the remnant. The remnant were faithful Jews who, when they heard the gospel of Jesus Christ, were convinced that Jesus Christ was God and that he was sent as that perfect sacrificial lamb and that their sins could be forgiven and that they no longer needed to go through the ceremonial requirements of the law of Moses but that they could simply have righteousness by faith in Jesus alone. And, and the author of this book, whom we don't know specifically, the author of this book starts off his letter with three impressive verses that we looked at last week that talk about who it is that's the author of their faith, who it is that they're putting their faith in, because it would have been very difficult for these Jews to have converted to Christianity. They would have been seen in their communities as heretics. And there was intense pressure for them to reconvert to Judaism. But the writer of Hebrews wants them to understand that Jesus Christ was not just another prophet, but he, he was God himself. And that Jesus Christ was the culmination of his long plan of redemption for the world. Do you remember what he outlines as Jesus' CV, if you will? He's the Son of God. God Himself. He is the Creator of all things. He is the Heir of all things. And, and by that, he, he means Heir of the new heaven and the new earth. Not this earth with all its troubles and problems. He sustains everything. Jesus Christ sustains everything by his word. <clears throat> Jesus Christ is the exact representation of God. In other words, if you see Jesus, you see God. He provides a means for the purification of sins. And then he concluded with the idea that the, the proof of that is that right now, he is not dead. Yes, he was crucified, but he overcame death and rose, and he sits at the right hand of God the Father. An incredible, impressive three verses about who Jesus is. But you know, sometimes when we are describing something, it's easier to say what it's not sometimes then to say what it is. Now Jesus Christ, he has, the author has said who he is. I just listed those things. But you know, sometimes, like with colors, for instance, you kind of get into this, well, it's this, but it's not that, and it's, it's not really that. It's this. Like these colors here. Gray. Well, it's not a dark gray. It's not a light gray. It's a gray that's kind of got a little brown in it, but it's, it's not taupe. 
You know how? Colors, right? And so sometimes we need to say what it isn't to make clear what it is. And this is where the writer of Hebrews goes next. He doesn't want us to confuse Jesus with anyone or anything else. I suppose most of us can relate to this situation where the door is knocked and you go and there's a very clean cut, very handsome, usually, uh, you know, good, good people at the door. And you know what's going to come next. Probably a Watchtower magazine, right? And, and you know that it's the Jehovah's Witnesses who are paying you a visit. And usually their visits are, they're very nice and, um, and good. But, you know, if you're like me, sometimes you're not sure what to say uh, in response to their visits. The issue that the church, the Orthodox Church, has had with Jehovah's Witness theology is, and this is why I bring it up in the context of the study of Hebrews, is similar to something that was going on in the early church that was an error in theology. So what is it about Jehovah's Witnesses that the Orthodox Church, most of Christendom, has an issue with. They don't believe in the Trinity. That's correct, Charles. And that, 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 that remind me of the Arians of the original, when in the early days of Christianity. Well, now you're just showing up. The second part was, he, it reminds them of the Arians, which was another theology of error, which was very close to the error of Jehovah's Witness. Basically, yeah, Charlie, you're dead, dead right as always. Uh, <laughs> Jehovah's Witnesses who come to your door um, do not believe in the Trinity. They believe in Jehovah God, but they do not believe that Jesus Christ is part of the Trinity. In fact, they believe that he is created. He is part of the creation. And so this was or seems to be some kind of an issue in this early church that this letter was sent to. Um, we call it Hebrews. Let me just point out a few of the statements that you'll find from uh, within the writings from people within Jehovah's Witness. Um, first of all, as, as you said, they, Jehovah's Witnesses do not consider Jesus Christ God. Um, they believe God is a singular being. There is no trinity. And they will use quotes from Hebrews and Colossians, primarily, to prove that. And so here's a quote. This is straight from one of the uh, flyers put out by Jehovah's Witnesses. This means that he was created before all the other spirit sons of God, and that he is the only one who is directly created by God. So they believe that Jehovah God created Jesus Christ. And then Jesus Christ 
did his bidding thereafter. So Jehovah God created Jesus Christ. That means he's not God. And then he did his bidding afterwards. Secondly, they believe that Jesus Christ is the archangel Michael. Reasonably then, this is the next statement, the archangel Michael is Jesus Christ. So the evidence indicates that the Son of God, Jesus, was known as Michael before he came to earth. So what they're saying there is that Jesus Christ is an angel. Okay? The third thing I'd like to point out, in preparation for us looking at Hebrews, because you see a similar concern in what the writer is writing about. They believed that the angel Jesus was enabled by God, sort of as his agent, to create the rest of the world, heaven and earth. But you understand the problem. He's not God. Jesus is not God. Okay? And that is an issue. And the Trinity is not the Trinity. That there is only one entity, and that is God the Father or Jehovah. So, this is what the author of Hebrews writes to the people that are going to read. And remember, this was a circular letter, went out to a lot of people, primarily the remnant Jewish believers of the gospel. And this is what he wrote to them. The fact that he wrote ten verses at the very beginning of his letter points out the idea that there seems to be an issue in this church or in the early church about we know who Jesus is, but is he also not this? And what this is, is there apparently was some understanding that he was an angel, or at least on par with him. So, let's read from Hebrews 4, verse 4 and 14. The writer uses a lot of Old Testament scripture to make his point, which would be familiar to the readers who were raised on the Hebrew scriptures. So here we are, verse 4. So he, that's Jesus, became as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is superior to theirs. For to which of the angels did God ever say, you are my son, today I have become your father? Or again, I will be his father and he will be my son. And again, when God brings his firstborn into the world, he says, let all God's angels worship him. In speaking of the angels, he says, he makes his angels spirits and his servants flames of fire. But, among the, but about the sun, he says, your throne, O God, will last forever and ever. A scepter of justice will be the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has set you above your companions by anointing you with the oil of joy. He also says, in the beginning, Lord, you laid the foundations of the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. They'll all wear out like a garment. You will roll them up like a robe, like a garment. They'll be changed, but you remain the same, and your years will never end. To which of the angels did God ever say, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet? Are not angels ministering spirits 
sent to serve those who will inherit salvation? So in the first three verses of Hebrews, Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus is the heir. Jesus is the creator. And then in the next ten verses, the author says, Jesus is superior to the angels. Do not get that confused. Don't mix him up with the angels. He's above them. He is superior to them. So quickly, what or how is Jesus superior to the angels? I'll just pick out six things very quickly so that we can see how Jesus is distinguished from angels. First of all, Jesus is God. Look at this in verse 8. But about the Son, he says, your throne, O God, will last forever and ever. You see, here God the Father refers to God the Son as God. (laughs) So that's an important thing to keep in mind when people say, well, Jesus Christ is not God. Well, God the Father referred to God the Son as God. And it's there in verse 8 of Hebrews 1. Secondly, Jesus is is the Son. For to which of the angels did God ever say, you are my Son? Therefore, we have the idea that if He's God and there's a Son, there's a Trinity. At this point, you don't know about You don't see the Holy Spirit in the picture, but we know now from all of our understanding of the breadth of Scripture that there's a Holy Spirit, too, and that there is a trinity, that God is three in one. I mean, the angels were never called Son. He, Jesus Christ, is Son. Secondly, or thirdly, I should say, the angels were created by Jesus. He, Jesus makes his angel spirits and his servants flames of fire. Angels are subject to Jesus. They're his angels. Fourthly, angels worship Jesus. Verse 6, let all God's angels worship him. Thirdly, Jesus is king. He writes in verse 8, A scepter of justice will be the scepter of your kingdom. And then finally, angels angels are servants who do Jesus' bidding. Are not all angels, ministering spirits, sent to serve those who will inherit salvation? And so, the writer of Hebrews wants to be very clear that Jesus is this, but he is not that which makes us believe that there must have been something there that was going on in the thinking. We know that it became a full-blown heresy later on, as Charlie has said, with the Arian theology, which was that God, there was not a triune God, that there was no trinity. But there must have been something going on where... Jesus was being equated to or not distinguished from (coughs) angels. And so for 10 verses, he points out Jesus is superior to the angels. I 
have never heard a sermon on angels. Anybody, raise your hand if you've heard a sermon on angels. Well, you come next week, John. Next week I'm preaching on angels. Uh, I've got a lot of learning to do. I mean, we don't talk about angels, but angels are something that we should be uh, at least putting in perspective. Okay? Because, as we have found out, like, um, there is thinking out there which elevates angels to the place that they shouldn't be elevated to. And therefore, uh, we need to sort of put the angels in perspective. And so, next week, I promise to <laughs> do a sermon just sort of as a, in parentheses to what we're learning today on angels. <clears throat> so I'll, I'll do that. But for, for the rest of our time here today, I just want to get back to this issue with the Jehovah's Witnesses. I am not a very, um, I'm not the kind of a preacher who gets up and sort of preaches against things that very much. But, but this is something that um, we come into contact a lot with. And I think we really, as Christians, need to kind of know, <laughs> you know, how to respond when we are confronted uh, by people that will come to our door and try to convince us uh, that theirs is the truth. So how do we um, combat this error that Jesus Christ is not God and that there is no Trinity? Well, this is what I would suggest to you. Let, let me say this to you. Let's say I said, last weekend, I went home and there were fireworks. Okay? Last weekend, I went home and there were fireworks. We got the fireworks? Very good. That could mean a few things. Right? <laughs> it, it might have been July 1st. <laughs> and there literally were fireworks. But it could have been metaphorical, too. It could have been metaphorically good. <laughs> Fireworks, it was great. Or it could have been metaphorically bad, like there was out and out war at home. Fireworks. You see, there's a literal sense of fireworks, and there is a metaphorical which is based on the same idea, right? Like fireworks, yeah, when, when people are at each other, like exploding, it's just like fireworks, right? So it's both use of the term, fireworks, literal, the metaphorical are true and make total sense. You see, the error in the thinking that God is, or Jesus Christ, is not God. That he was created by God. That there is no Trinity. The error has to do with the term, and it's not fireworks, but it's firstborn. Firstborn. Now there's a literal sense to firstborn. Aaron is the firstborn of Deborah and Andrew. 
Sequence, right? Order. First born. Literally. But there's also a way of expressing firstborn that is used in Scripture that adopts all of the status, the preeminence, the stature of the firstborn in that culture. And just assigns and just lays it on the word firstborn, and the person might not be, or the, yeah, the person might not be the in order of firstborn, but they are top dog. Right? And so scripture uses firstborn literally and metaphorically. This makes a big deal of difference. We have just read a scripture within this evangelical church that used the words firstborn. Well, maybe it was last week too. Firstborn. You guys automatically did not equate that with a literal interpretation of firstborn for Jesus Christ. Right? You, you literally, I mean, you didn't go to the literal idea, oh, Jesus is the firstborn. As in, he was born. As he was created. The first son. You don't do that because the paradigm is that you understand that there is a metaphorical sense to that word, firstborn. Right? Now, here's an example. We read in Colossians 1.18, He's the head of the body, this is Jesus, the church. He's the beginning. He's the firstborn from the dead. That is, in, that in everything he might be preeminent. So, He's the firstborn from the dead. We know what that means, right? He's the first one who rose from the grave and lives eternally, who was a human. He's the firstborn, right? That's a literal sense. He's the firstborn from the dead. Look at this. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. Now you can see how a Jehovah's Witness would read that. Right? In a literal sense, they would say that, see, firstborn. He's the first created being. But we know it from a metaphorical persuasion or a metaphorical position that in fact, he is the preeminent of all that were created. He's above all. He is the firstborn in that sense. So there's the literal and there's the metaphorical. It doesn't mean, therefore, that because the word firstborn is used, that Jesus was the first created being, which Jehovah's Witnesses would argue. If your mind is muddled a little bit, that's okay. I'm hoping it's going to get a little bit clearer. You see, next picture. We've seen this before, right? The blinded scientist trying to figure out what the elephant is. And no matter whatever part you touch, you interpret to be that. And so you sort of figure out that the trunk or the leg is a tree. 
It feels like a tree. It's as big as a tree. It's rough like a tree. It's a tree. So when you have decided that Jesus Christ is the firstborn literally, right? All of your understanding of Scripture is influenced by that idea. And you have to get creative. Okay? This is how Jehovah's Witnesses would take, I would say, the most direct, <coughs> unequivocal description of Jesus Christ as God in Scripture. This is what they do with it, okay, to make it fit the lake, the tree, the trunk is a lake. <coughs> this is the scripture that all of Orthodox Christianity <laughs> would agree as far as an interpretation of the original scripture. John 1 1. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. But if Jesus is an angel, the leg is a trunk, is a trunk of a tree, right? You have to change the meaning to the New World translation. The unorthodox scriptures written by the Jehovah's Witnesses. And this is how they interpret that scripture. Against all of Christendom. No one agrees with this. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was a God. You see how that goes? Because if a leg is a tree, you have to make everything else fit the paradigm, right? And when there's scriptures that don't fit with that truth or that interpretation, you have to change them. And this is a literal translation from the New World Translation. That's literally out of the Scriptures, where they have taken the deity of Jesus Christ and downgraded him, a god, an angel, whatever, you know, kind of like a heavenly being. And that's an error. And that's a heresy. So, hopefully now you kind of see that <laughs> we have to take Scripture, the full breadth of Scripture, we have to capture all of it in order to get the right interpretations. And we can't take a specific term at the exclusion of all other uses of that term and build a theology around it at the exclusion of all other thought. So there's something that you can talk to Jehovah's Witnesses to when it isn't you. <laughs> Tell them that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He is God. <laughs> that you believe in the Trinity. And that you believe John 1.1, 1, 1, that the Word was God. The Word is God. Jesus Christ is God. I just want to wrap up. 
the writer of Hebrews, after being very clear about who Jesus is and the fact that they can trust him with their lives, their, the investment of their whole life, and they, and they can put up with persecution and trials because of who Jesus Christ is, the author also has to move to who Jesus is not. This week, it's angels. All right? Next week, the parenthesis, we'll talk about angels. In two weeks, we'll be talking about the fact that Jesus is superior to Moses. Don't be messing with Moses. Especially if you're Jewish, right? <laughs> He's the man. Okay? But that's where the author goes next. He is all these things. He's superior to angels. And he is superior to Moses. Remember, he's talking to people who have grown up Jewish in their faith, ethnically as well as in their faith. And he's wanting them to understand who Jesus Christ is. 